All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Welcome to the show. I'm Luke, and today we're joined by surging middleweight prospect Josh Fram. Josh, welcome. Hey, man. How you doing? It is great to have you on the show. You had a huge, um, not only win, first round uh, stoppage win by punches, but also it was the main event and it was for LFA just two days ago on Friday. So let's jump in there. Congratulations to you on that huge win. Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Oh, uh, well, let's, let's talk. Obviously, um, for those that might not know, um, LFA have had you now three times in a row. You've had uh, three first round finishes in a row. One was by knees and punches. The rest were by primarily punches. So uh, our last three fights for LFA have gone great. Can you walk us through uh, the fight on Friday? And then we'll kind of go back over the last couple. Oh, man. Yeah. The Just the whole thing, you know, leading up to it was crazy. You know, just being able to get the main event for LFA, which is such a great organization. You know, I've I've cornered my former, like my, still my teammate back in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was a main event for one of the LFA, so it was great to get that experience. Um, one of my teammates also for my last LFA fight was the main event, so it was amazing to like just witness those experiences before having to do it myself, you know. And man, it was awesome. Like everything leading up to it, the night of it, obviously the fight itself it was very nerve wracking, you know, but. I'm, I'm blessed that it came out, you know, in my favor, and it was awesome. Well, that's a great perspective to have. Very humble there. Uh, Bruno Oliveira was your opponent, and he was a Dana White Contender Series alum, and there was a lot of focus on kind of not only what you could do to him and what level that would show you, but also this was a guy with a lot of experience and eyes still watching him as well. So what was it like to have all that uh, focus and attention on you uh, really at one of the highest levels that's outside of the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, um, as far as organizations go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely different, you know, because like I said, my last teammate, uh, Andre, who was the main event, it was kind of cool fighting on that card because I had no pressure. No one was focusing on me, you know, it, all that was on him. Like, I was just there to compete and, you know, have a good performance, but you know, it was cool. It was cool having the eyes on me. You know, I got to finally like put my name out there against a tough, tough dude. You know, uh, Bruno Oliveira is very skillful, very talented, you know, and I was it was awesome to be able to share the cage with him, you know. Well, and to get a stoppage, uh, you've become the stoppage machine in the last three. Obviously, if people don't know, six of your seven pro wins are all by finishes, four of them by KOs, two by submissions, and only one um, by decision. But what has what has seemed to work for you so well in the last three fights? Uh, because they've all been first-round stoppage wins for you. Yeah, I mean, I just um... – I've said it many times in some interviews, like, I just don't want to waste time, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Everyone has uh, an expiration date in this sport, and, you know, the faster I can realize that, the faster that I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to attack instead of, you know, sit back and be hesitant and be scared to actually, you know, be myself. Like, my, my coaches, that's everything that they've reinforced to me is just be myself and fight how I train. Cause like I'm an exciting fighter and I never, you know, I have stoppages, but a lot of my earlier pro fights, you could tell I'm gun shy. I'm, I'm hesitant to actually move forward and attack. So 
you know, ever since joining Factory X and training with all these guys out here, they've given me the confidence and this, like, obviously I've grown skillfully training with these guys and I'm just, I'm, I'm mean now, you know, I'm, I'm able to go out and attack. And you mentioned they're training now in Englewood, Colorado at Factory X. There was a chunk of time where you were from Pittsburgh, fighting in Pittsburgh, and then your last fight in Pittsburgh was in December of 2018. And then your first fight sort of out of the Colorado training camp was uh, in August of 2020 with all of the COVID stuff pushing fights back for you. So that's almost two years, I guess, a year and nine months off between uh, your last pro fight in Pittsburgh and your first pro fight out of Factory X. Uh, yeah. What was that year and nine months like for you with the transition, move, new training camp, and then having COVID push everything back? Man, it was uh, it was tough. It was really tough because, you know, not only are you moving across country on a whim, you know, hopefully, hoping to be able to fit in here, hoping to be able to, you know, be you know on the same level these guys to like not get kicked out for not being that good you know and i came out here with my girl i didn't have any job prospects i just walked around until i found a job and then i started having you know once i started getting a hang of the training system out here uh i injured my knee and i had to get surgery on my meniscus and get it taken out once I was all healed from that, I started getting back. I was back training. Uh, I got to a point where I was about to sign a contract. And then uh, right after Christmas of 2019, I broke my orbital in a sparring round. And then, you know, that was just a horrible New Year's for me. And then right when I'm finally getting healed again to like get ready to fight, COVID hits and everything shuts down and we don't know when we're going to fight again. So like, it was a whirlwind, you know, coming out here. Uh, but I look at it now reflecting on everything. And honestly, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I, I truly believe that. Like I, I had to go through it to get to it, you know? And it sounds like some of your worst injuries weren't even from the actual fights that people watch you fight. Um, no. and I think fan wise, um, it's easy to forget how much work goes into training because there's, thousands of more hours in trainings than the couple minutes you're spending in the cage, obviously at a time. And there you go with a lot of inactivity, injuries, multiple um, injuries going on. And now you've had three fights in the last six months, which have all yes. been great. But what's it like dialing up the competition, you know, as far as going from inactive for almost two years, as far as fighting goes to being super active. I mean, three fights in six months is about as active as you can be unless yeah. you're on fight Island. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge blessing. You know, I know, I know a ton of people who are out there grinding day in and day out waiting for their opportunity because of COVID and everything. Not all promotions are fighting. Not a lot of people are able to be active. So I understand that I am in a truly, I'm in a blessed position. So I'm very happy because of that time off. That's all I wanted to do is when I got back to fighting, I wanted to stay healthy and I wanted to keep competing. Like right now, I'm fine. I have a little bumps and bruises on my shin from, you know, eating some kicks, but in a week I'll be fine and I'm going to be back in the gym. I'm going to be training and hopefully I fight again in March. You know, I just, like I said, the, everyone has an expiration date and this sport, you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed to go in and fight again after that fight. Cause you could hurt yourself. This could all be taken away from you. So 
I'm done wasting time. And I was never really wasting, but I'm done not grabbing it as fast as I can, you know? I was going to say, you you put a great um, amount of fights behind you. You had a, a long, lengthy um, amateur career. Started fighting in 2014 amateur-wise in the Pittsburgh area. And so you have a lot of experience, not only at the pro level, um, obviously seven wins, one loss is a pretty great <laughs> career, but also a bunch of fights in amateur. And so for you, you talk a lot about not only wanting to fight exciting and make the most of the time that you are in the cage, but knowing that you have an expiration date. And here you are now riding this big wave. Um, you're two days removed, which is just crazy to think that two days yeah. ago you were in Kansas. Uh, what was it like getting out there? I mean, Colorado is a lot closer to Kansas than let's say Pittsburgh would be. But what's the what was the trip like? What's it like being back now emotions-wise? Um, does it feel almost short, like too short? Because these fights are so short that you do all this training. So talk about yeah. that. Well, I mean, the uh, the flight there was awesome. You know, um, I always love uh, getting on the plane and, you know, just a business trip. Me and my coaches, you know, I get to watch last, last two fights. I watched a Rambo movie on the way there. This time I watched a really cool uh, movie called Tenet. So it was a nice flight. I got in, you know, got to the hotel. Everything in LFA is just ran so smoothly. Um, my weight was perfect. Uh, it was exactly how we planned it. Everything went off, went without a hitch, you know. Um, the only thing that I can say is, like, I didn't get my mouthpiece, my custom mouthpiece in time, so I had to use my other one. But that's not a big deal, you know. I've been using that mouthpiece forever. But everything went awesome, you know. And uh, my girl and I were laughing about this yesterday. To explain the emotions and everything, if you were to see me right when I was about to get my hand raised, you could see like I'm almost crying and then I immediately changed to like being confident and happy and then to just ecstatic with joy like, oh my goodness, this, this really happened, you know, and yeah, it's a short time. You put all these hours in, all these sacrifices for 5, 10, 15 minutes, maybe even less than 5 minutes. And even, you know, I've lost before, even when I lost, it's like, oh man, it's over. Like, that's it. I don't get any more time. And like, like I, and it just shows like how quick this sport is, you know, whether you're looking at it from a fight standpoint or a career standpoint, everything happens fast, you know? So while you're in it, you have to be able to take those moments in, slow everything down and just see everything for what it is. Well, thank you for reflecting on your emotion state and kind of those waves that that come with emotions, because I think that's something that a lot of fans don't get to see. And so it's great to see you aware of them and processing them um, here just a couple of days after, which is great. You've mentioned career. Um, obviously, your, your career is going places, but you also mentioned in Colorado having a second job or getting a second job. So what's it working like balancing this career that in the last six months you've been fighting every other month, but also having a job um, on the side, or I should say maybe fighting on the side and the job as main. But <laughs> so it, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword right now. Cause my last two fights, I was working two jobs. I was working uh, security in a bar and I was managing a restaurant, you know? Uh, so that was it. And training every single day, strength conditioning two times a day, you know, almost six days a week. That was tough. It was the hardest thing I think I've ever done. I was never home. I never saw my girl, never saw my dogs. I was always tired. But 
you know, looking at it, what happened with this last fight is before Halloween hit, I got let go of my jobs, mm. both of them because of COVID. So I've been on unemployment, barely making ends meet. Like it's just the hardest thing ever, but I was able to train full time. Mm -hmm. Like I could, uh, thankfully, you know, I have the support of my girlfriend and my family to like, we believe in you, like, go ahead, do this. And I was able to dedicate everything to it. This last fight, uh, I was in the gym two, three times a day, every day, training hard, putting in the extra work, dialing in my diet, my recovery, just being a consummate professional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for this fight, it felt amazing. Like everything came together exactly how I planned it, how I envisioned it. I never wanted to focus on the result of the fight. I just wanted to make sure that every effort that I was giving was going to what I've always said I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional fighter. So everything in my life has to be directed towards that goal. And I'm blessed, man. It, it played out. I can't, I can't imagine it playing out any better. Well, you're talking about the difference between the process and the product. You want the process to get right. And it sounds like you've gotten the process right. And now that you're in a more professional mindset where that's what you do, uh, well, because of COVID laying off, but that's what you've done. And then your, yeah. your product, obviously the results have been incredible and they already were good in August and October. But now that you've had that process of being a full-time fighter in the sense of that's all you're doing and it feeling better and working better. Um, is that here to stay? I mean, yeah, I, I really do believe that, you know, hopefully with this last performance, things work out well. Maybe I'll get some more sponsors. Maybe I'll get a shot at the UFC and I'll get a chance to, you know, change my life with financials and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I'm still in unemployment right now. I, I made a decent amount of money from sponsors in this fight. So I'll be able to catch up and you know, like set myself on a path for, you know, the next fight. So, yeah, it, it's here to stay. Well, I mean, that's just incredible to see uh, you reflect really on what was just a couple months ago from going the the life of the regional MMA fighter, if I can call it that, where your, your passion is in MMA, but you're exhausted and not getting the family time and the the reward time, the fun time that you want because you're juggling two jobs. It's great to yeah. see you make that transition, even though it was COVID related, it kind of sounds like it came out a perfect time. And now that it's here, you can see that lasting. And maybe that's why you're saying a March fight would be ideal. You could kind of build right up to that. And since you mentioned what comes next, uh, you're throwing it out there that you, that you want to level up as far as um, level of competition, level of organization. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, first things first, uh, the LFA title, obviously, I would love to have that. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have that. Either one of the guys who are in the other semifinal, I would love to compete against them. They're uh, high level guys would appreciate it. Love it. If that doesn't happen, if for some you know reason I get the call, that would be amazing. If I got an opportunity in whatever fashion it was, that would be amazing because yeah, I, I believe I'm ready for the next level. I believe that, you know, there are a lot of guys in the middleweight division in the UFC. I see that I'm a real, I'm a problem for, I really do believe that. Well, I can't let that go without a follow-up. <laughs> uh, who, who are those, who are those uh, middleweight fighters in the UFC that you think you're a problem for right now? Two days off a huge win for you three in a row, first round, all finishes, uh, start talking who's out there in the UFC that you think you could match up against right now. 
I mean, there's a lot of, there's like a, there was a big crop of LFA guys that, you know, when I was healing up that I saw in the UFC that I thought that, that got to the UFC. That I was like, you know, I thought maybe I'd get matched up against them. Like, uh, uh, Buckley, Jordan, Wright, Impa and Sangha, like those guys are high level, really good fighters. And I thought like, maybe when I'm healed up, I'll definitely get a chance. And then they got all called up. So, you know, I'm right there. I'm right behind them. I'm doing what I told myself and I showed, I told everyone I was going to be doing and I'm proving myself with each fight. So I believe I match up well with those guys. You know, I believe that it would be a great fight. It would be a dog fight. Some of those. And I think that, you know, my length and my striking, these fights have been so short. You haven't really got to see a lot of my game. You know, when I get to a higher level where people can, you know, stay with me for a little bit longer, you'll see the actual skill come out. And I think my skill level is right up there with those guys. Well, you mentioned Buckley and he obviously took a huge headline with that crazy kick. Oh yeah. What's it like knowing that some of those fighters you called out are, it would be hopefully a striking war and some of the really dominant new strikers. There's obviously been longtime great strikers in middleweight. We can't mention yep. middleweight strikers <laughs> in the past without uh, the spider Silva, right? I mean, the, the middleweight division oh, yeah. has been known for long, incredible strikers for decades now. Uh, but what's it like seeing, like you mentioned Buckley. So let's talk about it. Would you would you jump in there against Buckley with all the attention he has with that crazy kick knockout, knowing that uh, you you could kind of leapfrog over that new status if you made it to the UFC, if you took out one of the younger, newer guys in the UFC middleweight? Yeah, I mean, if that opportunity showed itself, I would jump on that because, you know, I have all the respect for Buckley. I think what he's done in LFA is amazing. I was there watching him when he knocked out. Uh, I'm not even going to, I forget names of the, his opponents, but like I've watched two of his knockouts live in person. I've been in the same locker room as him. He's a great dude. I think he's an amazing fighter. And I would love to have that like opportunity to step in against someone with, you know, he made an explosion onto the scene. He did everything right. He's doing everything that like he showed the blueprint. I'm just trying to follow the blueprint, you know? So, yeah, I would love to get that opportunity. Well, it's great respect that you show for Buckley. And it is very much a blueprint. The LFA have been putting out some of the best uh, UFC prospects. You've also been fighting on UFC Fight Pass. And so people that watch the UFC that have UFC Fight Pass that don't quite understand that UFC Fight Pass has fights that aren't UFC. I've talked to people they don't. They don't always understand that because they watch yeah. UFC. So you've already been exposed to a lot of UFC viewers because they have fight pass. They watch a fight that comes up. They don't maybe understand that LFA is a separate organization. Um, but what was it like knowing that you were going to fight on UFC fight pass? Is that a different experience in the room um, when you're fighting? Are there is there different equipment there? Are there different people from the UFC? Can you tell it's a UFC fight pass card or not really? Oh, yeah. Uh yeah, with, with the way LFAs, uh, like I say, they groom people for the UFC. Everything they do is a high, a high level of professionalism. You see the TV truck, all the cameras. I mean, I was interviewed so much. I had so many cameras in my face. It was a little nerve wracking, to be honest with you. But like, that's part of the game. That's part of the process. You got to learn that aspect of it. And yeah, it's amazing fighting on UFC Fight Pass. Um, I remember when I was just fighting on a local card, being so excited that my fight was going to be on flow grappling or flow combat, like 
just taking these steps up. It's everything I've ever dreamed of. And it's, I'm working so hard and it's amazing to see them all come true. Well, you mentioned uh, one of those beginning steps of knowing kind of that you've arrived at least as a young fighter that you would be on flow grappling. I think it's important for anybody that's watching this interview to recognize how, how many steps go between a, a regional fighter or even before you're in MMA cage, people are doing the jiu-jitsu tournaments or the kickboxing, you know, building it up. And so there's so much that goes into it, but now you're living kind of right where you want to be as far as doing highlight knockouts, being right there. I would think that the UFC would be calling, I mean, three first round knockouts for, a, for an organization like LFA with great talent. Um, so if you were going to, if you were going to pick another name from the UFC that you'd want to be uh, potentially thrown in against just to do a little matchmaking for him to make it easier on him, uh, what would be another name out there? Uh, Jordan Wright, you know, he was, he was, you know, he has a couple good knockouts in the UFC. He has amazing knockouts in LFA. You know, I think that's a great matchup for me. I think that we would have put on a great striking fight. Um, as far as like other names of people that are in there right now, I don't have too many. I, mm -hmm. I just, those are the guys from LFA that I watched personally and I watched them make it to the UFC. And I believe that I'm right on there with them, like skill level, talent. I'm at the same level as those guys. So um, anyone, honestly, I, I would take like Kevin Holland took a short notice fight against yeah. Tiago Santos to get into the UFC. I had a teammate, Chris Dempsey, who took a short notice mm -hmm. fight long time ago against a beast in Ilya Atifi just to get in. I'm not scared of taking a loss against a really tough opponent just to get in. If that's how I have to get in, you know, this is the sport I chose and there's going to be scary opponents. Like when you stare across the cage, you know, Bruno, to me, he was a scary dude, but like oh, the, the whole thing about courage is even though you're scared, you do it anyway. Well, yeah, I think the, the whole concept isn't that courage is the absence of fear. It's the presence of fear and the desire to continue through that fear, right? Yes. It's not the absence of fear. Absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, when you mentioned Chris Dempsey being a, a local Pittsburgh guy that I've met, he's doing great things uh, promoting the next crop of MMA fighters taking a short notice fight. I always have to give a shout out to Kama, the Death Star Worthy, who a year ago from Pittsburgh, I'm sure you know him. Oh, right? yeah. A year ago took a four or five day notice fight and then got the upset of the year in UFC, had a fly from Pittsburgh to California and really showed um, regional at that point, two, four, seven fighting championship in Pittsburgh. And just what you're saying that you have to be willing to jump in against really good guys on short notice to really make the splash. Um, but you've mentioned a couple times, Josh, what it's like having watched the LFA fighters fight live. So let's get into the technical a little bit. What advantage do you think it is as a fighter to watch a fighter fight in the presence of the fighter, meaning in the room as opposed to on a television set? Because you've mentioned that a couple times. Oh, I mean, I, I think the, I don't know, maybe advantage, but like seeing little intricacies that mm. you don't see on the TV, you know, when you're closer to the cage, um, the TV is only going to show you certain angles at certain times. You're not going to hear everything. You're not going to see little intricacies, you know. So seeing someone fight live, I guess, would give you that little, you know, you'll be able to tell what kind of heart they have. You know, if they get hit in a certain spot, um, they're breathing uh, 
techniques, you know, how they handle things. What are they like in the corner? Are they freaking out in the corner? Are they listening to their coach? Um, and the eyes, you can see the eyes a lot better. So like, it's a lot easier to grasp, you know, just how much of a dog someone is. Yeah. I, I've pointed out on this show before, Josh, and I always sound a little strange doing it, that live in-person MMA, listening to the breathing is one of the things, even as a fan, that people should be doing because you you rarely hear breathing at the UFC level, maybe occasionally, depending on how close the, the mm -hmm. camera and the mic is, but there's just something in person. You also mentioned corners, and I know this is the third fight you've had with this, with this new crop of coaches and corners. So how does your corner run as far as the sport business side, not so much the, the technical side, don't give away anything, but as far as what you like in the corner, what do you want happening in your corner and what, what does happen in your corner when things are going well? And I just realized you haven't gotten to a corner with your new team. So, <laughs> so that will, that, yeah, I was going to explain uh, that because, you know, um, I've always had great cornermen in my life uh, throughout my career, uh, beginning in my amateur and pro. Uh, what I like about this corner that I have specifically now, and even though I haven't made it to the second round in any of my LFA fights yet, um, I train for it. You know, when I'm in the gym, the how my coaches have everything set up, you know, how our sparring is set up. I do. And like, I don't, I'm not allowed to knock out my teammates. I don't want to knock out my teammates. I, I want to get better. So to be honest, I get beat up a lot in the training room. So like when I go to my corner and how we have it set up, I have my coaches come in, they talk to me, we sit down and I absolutely love the way that they handle it. I watch it with that, with my coaches and my teammates and how they speak to my teammates. Mark Montoya is such a calm level-headed guy in the corner. He gives you direction that you can understand it's not just like get up it's not do this it's literal instructions that we've practiced and he calms calmly talks you mm -hmm. through it he's not screaming in your face which i don't mind being screamed at i'm kind of like a little crazy like that i like that sometimes but it's good that he's so calm because me being so amped up it brings me down and i can think it brings my heart rate down you get your breathing back correctly and it's just i with and also randy caruso in my corner my other coach very very smart guy you know uh doesn't quite have the accolades that mark does right now but that's okay like i want to show the world how good my coach caruso is like the knowledge that he spits to me the ways he can calm me down and he understands the way i think it's just, it's amazing. I have a great corner. I love the way they work. Well, it's, it's pretty wonderful to see how you break down what goes on in your corner, because I think a lot of fighters and I'm going young amateur fighters. I've seen amateur fighters. I'm sure you've seen it show up to fights without corners, without jock straps, without mouthpieces, you know, without anything. And I yeah. mean, there's, there's a part of me that gets excited when I see that happen because it shows somebody's willing to just get in yeah, there. They're willing to go and scrap. Yeah, I love that. Which is great, right? But at the same time, I do think that corners can really and should really have um, the ability to game plan on the fly, you know, because yes. what a lot of things happen is people could get hurt. Things could be going on in the situation. Um, I was watching an old interview, and this is going back when an old interview with Michael Chandler in his Bellator days, and he was talking about he had an ankle injury that caused him to have drop foot. This is 
years ago uh, when I believe he lost to Benson Henderson uh, for the title. But anyhow, um, and he was talking about how he wishes at the time he would have thought about switching his stance. He realized now that since he could push off his drop foot, if he had switched in the southpaw, he could have actually continued to move around because he would have been pushing. And I think that there are aspects where you can't blame a fighter in the moment for not yeah. having that outside perspective. And how important is it to you to know that when you're fighting, that when you get to the corner, whenever that happens, that they will have that outside perspective to see things that you can't in the moment. You'll see them later, but you can't in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crucial, man. You know, um, even remembering before walking out, like my coaches even said, like, we're here to give you direction. We can't fight for you, but we're here to see what you don't see. You know, we might be calling for something and you don't feel it. You might, we, we can't feel the strength of a guy's hips. We're just here to tell you what we see. And if you feel it, you see it, go ahead. Cause you know, when you're fighting, it, it's crazy. Cause I try and explain, it. I wish my vocab, I'm going to get my vocabulary better so I can explain it better. But it's, it's one thing to see someone do something, right? And it's one thing to see it on a computer screen, a TV screen, or even see it live, but you're not the person living that experience, you know? And when you're fighting, and I know almost every fighter goes through this, it's, it's crazy in your head. There's so much adrenaline. There's so many things going on. You're thinking of a million different scenarios. And yeah, at the time, you're not going to think, oh, maybe I could switch my stance or maybe I could do this. So it's crucial to have smart people in your corner who know who you are as a fighter and your mentality and what you're capable of so that they can show you or tell you, Hey, we think this will work for you. Give it a try. Absolutely. And that's the humility it takes to increase your performance. I think a lot of athletes get themselves in trouble and we've seen some high level ones, uh, arrogance comes in and then they stop improving their game because your game won't improve unless you're humble. Um, yeah. Something that, that came into my mind when I watched the highlights from your, uh, I think it was your first LFA fight when you uh, knocked the guy out with the standing knee, you had a, a, a hand behind his head and, and knocked him out. Um, I, well, first of all, what was that like? What was that setup like? That's a unique position <laughs> to be kind of on his side back. You were almost on his hip pocket where some people would do like a throw. And, yeah. and so walk us through just a little bit of that positioning. I think landing a knee from that position is obviously very effective because you're almost in that blind hip pocket. But talk. Yeah. I mean, uh, first off, after watching it, I was mad. I, I went six seconds without throwing a single punch. He mm. took me down with a takedown that I should never have gotten taken down with. Um, but how we ended up in that position, you know, he fought to his feet and I was holding on to his back hip and I went for that underhook just as we were going up. Cause I planned to throw a knee as we were moving up, but I didn't want to lose position. And then once I opened my elbow and I was like, that's there, that, he's not, he's not defending it. Like, let me just throw it. I didn't throw it as hard as I could. I just threw it like technically how I was always taught to throw it and it landed flush and I felt his body go limp and I was just kind of, Oh my God, this is it. Let me finish the fight. Like this is done. It was, it was an amazing thing, you know, like taking, coming back and being able to do that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Well, absolutely. It's kind of, you had mentioned Kevin Holland's name. And of course he got famous this year for fighting a bunch for the oh, UFC. Yeah. had a crazy knockout against Jacques Array off his back and you know and it's one of those things where I think 
you were talking about the benefit of your coaches, the benefit of your corner pointing things out or the benefit of getting into that flow state. Just because something hasn't landed in the UFC or an MMA before doesn't mean it won't work. Like afterwards with the Kevin Holland knockout, people were like, well, it's just so weird to punch. But maybe more people will see that when somebody's kind of in that space, there was a lot of space in between. Maybe more people will be seeing that in your knee that you landed Um, I think a lot of people get to that position. I've seen it all the time, but they get to that position in a wrestling mindset. You know, they get that. Yes. You see it literally all the time. And I'm wondering, um, not to blow the lid off what you did there, but I'm wondering how much you bringing that in and other people realizing, because so many times if somebody's up against the cage, facing the cage, and somebody's on their back just like you were in that position, they're just kind of grappling and for hand positioning, and there's no real – worry about that sneaky around the side knee so uh, what's it like to find those positions that maybe other people haven't used before i mean i would just uh i would attribute it to a couple things just you know i'm always trying to be creative i'm always trying to do you know cool things because i mean yes it's awesome if you're a great fighter that's awesome but if you're not winning in you know an exciting fashion i've watched this and i've seen people who you know who i thought deserve to go to the UFC, you know, being undefeated 13 and 0, 14 and 0, but like their style wasn't, you know, it didn't draw a lot of people in. So like, I'm always trying to be creative. I'm always trying to do something cool. And also like I train with a bunch of creative people. Like they're always trying to hit me from different angles. And I'm always trying to like push the pace and see, oh, maybe this will land. We're always experimenting. We're always trying to see, we're always trying to push, you know, our athletic ability so like just my training partners, the people I have around me and also me just trying to be creative. We're always trying to find a, a different way to finish fights. We don't want to just win a fight. We want to finish so we can get to a higher level and we have that ability to get paid money to be exciting. Absolutely. Well, and that really is what your sport, what your job is about is not only to be a prize fighter, meaning you get paid to fight, but also finding unique, cool, entertaining, entertaining ways to do that, which is, which is really yeah. cool. I'm thinking, even though you don't think of this as heavy, but I'm thinking of Francis Ngannou when uh, one of his first fights in UFC, somebody was on his hips against the cage and he grabbed a Kimura lock over the back and threw him off the cage and rolled with him. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I've, been I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering at the lighter weights, cause I'm curious sometimes things work in heavyweight that one in lighter weights but i'm wondering if that would become more often a creative solution because so many people get in on that failed double leg takedown uh, attempt up against the cage and they leave themselves open to the travis brown elbows i'm calling them travis brown elbows <laughs> that from several years ago those yeah. side sort of swooping elbows uh but creativity is so important you mentioned your training camp again i want to circle back you're in colorado what was it like transitioning to elevation? What uh, confidence does that give you um, at training to elevation, particularly when you then go someplace that's not at elevation? And have you felt that? Yes. Oh, so one of my, I personally believe one of my biggest attributes is my gas tank. And I, I haven't been able to show that lately, but I mean, if you watched any of my other fights or if you've ever talked to anyone who's trained with me, I am nonstop. I will go, you know, for the famous line that Will Smith always said, like, if I get on a treadmill, you and I get on a treadmill, either you're getting off first or I'm going to die. Like, I'm just not going to stop. 
And being able to come out here to elevation and train at elevation, like when I go home and visit Pittsburgh or when I go anywhere else, like I feel amazing. I feel like I could just go for days. I love it. It was a great, you know, decision to come out here. And I love going high up into the mountains, you know, like the weekend before my fight, I was up at uh, 12,000 feet, you know, I wasn't really working out because I was trying to recover, but just going on little hikes and, you know, feeling that my, the air stretched my lungs. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to feel so good when I get to sea level. Like it's, it's an amazing, you know, not a hidden secret. Everyone knows about it, but it's just amazing to live it, you know? Well, yeah, absolutely. It brings up the memories of what do they call them? Sea level Kane Vasquez when <laughs> he went down to Mexico city, didn't worry about the elevation and it completely changed. Not only, I would say it pretty much wrapped up his career. You know, he had made mm-hmm. comeback and then it pretty much just ended. And I think that was a real indication of what elevation, either training at elevation like you guys do um, at factory X, or if you don't train at elevation, it's a, it's a wise thing for fighters to get there a couple of weeks early and, and acclimate. Really yeah. Really do that act. Uh, I once uh, traveled. I'm from Pittsburgh. I once traveled oh, to but uh, and I do I, I I do some announcing for 247 fighting championships, and we can't wait to get back in action once crowds oh, are yeah, alive, dude. Um, I'm but, so excited for 247 to get back. Oh, it's uh, so great! It's so great. I think you should come in and watch one of their cards once they're back in action. I'm sure they'd love to have you come in and watch it, uh, dude. It's, it's I, always great. I've tried to get on that card before I got injured and everything. You know, I was talking, I was in talks with Ryan when I was still living there, yeah. like, cause I was, I was going to get on the card because, you know, my just personal favorite pinnacle's always been my favorite. That's the OG Pittsburgh for me. But, you know, uh, Layshock was, he had, you know, moving on with his life, doing other bigger things. So Ryan was coming in and giving Pittsburgh another new fresh, uh, fighting promotion and it sucks that I never got on it but he's doing awesome with it you guys over there are doing amazing things for Pittsburgh and putting all those guys on giving them a platform I love seeing it well it's great to hear your recommendation for two for seven fighting championship and Pittsburgh MMA I mean they've got great gyms the Matt Factory uh MMA Academy with uh with Kama and Chaka Worthy and John DeJesus who made an incredible bell tour. Oh, yeah. But it really is just showing that it's great that Pittsburgh not only is a great spot for MMA, but also produced. I mean, you're going to be a Pittsburgh, you're going to be labeled as a Pittsburgh native on your rise up. I mean, you, which is just great uh, to see that. But I was, I was bringing up that I once foolishly made a trip from Pittsburgh years ago uh, to one of the 14ers in Colorado and did a 14, <laughs> you know, and on like day one or day two in Colorado. Oh, and it was, I did it, I did it, but I paid the consequences because you, being from Pennsylvania, which is what, like 800 feet above sea level or something, it's yeah. nothing, um, you get out there and people are telling you, oh, the elevation, altitude, altitude, and I was like, no problem, and then when you start feeling it, you're like, oh, oh, this is real. This is real, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's wonderful. You know, you were you were talking about all the interviews you did going in and LFA being so professional. You you do a great interview. You're very intelligent. You obviously love the game and have a lot of charisma and focus for it. Um, and so going forward, I wish you the, the best. Obviously, what's what's something you want to kind of end on or leave in the memory of, of the people watching as far as why to watch you going forward or anything that's coming down the pike for you? I mean, I guess, you know, I'm going to, for you, a reason for you to watch me is 
I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fight uh, no matter what. It's a fist fight. I love it. I love to get in there and get dirty. But if there's one thing that I can leave with people, that's really like for me personally, what I want to share that I have like my story to share with everyone is, you know, a year ago, I was still recovering from surgery. I was depressed on pain meds. I didn't know what was happening. I was broke, unemployed sitting on this couch right here, just sad as sad as I could be. And, you know, with the help and, you know, support from the people I have around me, the determination that I have, you know, you can change it. You can change it. You can always come back. You can fix it. You know, mine's just a literal uh, analogy because it's fighting, but it could be in anything. It could be in any sport you choose, any field you choose, no matter where you're at today, your oh, my my one teammate said it. Your situation is not your destination. So just because you're in a bad situation right now, that's not your destination. You just have to go through it to get to it. You know. So just that's what I want to leave with people. Like your situation is not your destination. Well, what a what an encouragement coming from you. And I think there's a lot of unsung heroes that inspire and encourage and support people when they're down, when they're low, like you said, your families and friends, your girlfriend, coaches, it's a big deal when fighters or anybody is hurt, depressed, and on pain meds. That's a really dangerous combo. The bad combo. <laughs> a lot of people or alcohol or whatever it is. And I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of pro athletes kind of can slide into addiction issues because so much rides on their performance that it can be hard to focus on the process the progress and who you are as a person, because your your best day in the cage doesn't mean much if your life outside of the cage isn't what you need it and want it to be. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And so I can't wait to have you back on the show uh, in the future. And all the best to you. And a shout out to your Pittsburgh friends and your Pittsburgh upbringing. And obviously, thanks for taking time out just a couple of days removed from your fight. So thanks so much for coming on, Josh Friend. And we're hoping to see you. Um, whatever your next is, can't wait to root you on that. Hey man, I really appreciate you having me on here. You are you are a fun interview. You're the most charismatic one I've had, and it was awesome chatting it up with you.